Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be bringing you the conclusion of the case of Martha Ann Johnson in Clayton County, Georgia. Let's get right to it. For much of today's episode, I'll be referencing a series of articles done by Jane O'Hanson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC is the only outlet that covered the case from beginning to end that I could gain access to, and they detailed this case like nobody's business. With that, let's pick up right where we left off. Officers had just responded to a sick child call. Patrolman Turner was still outside talking to Martha Ann while Captain Brown had went in the bedroom to find 11-year-old Jenny Ann deceased. Both of the officers felt that something was off. Martha was more interested in explaining what she did right instead of how yet another child in her care was dead. And these two officers didn't even know at this point that Jenny Ann was the fourth and final of Martha Ann's children to die under suspicious circumstances, or that Jenny Ann had expressed that she was terrified of her own mother to multiple people in the months and weeks prior to her death. Captain Brown would recall that in all of Martha Ann's ramblings about the doctors, the brace, and Jenny Ann's fall from the monkey bars, she had also slipped in the fact that Jenny Ann had wet herself and she was in the process of waking her up to get changed when she first noticed something was wrong. Yet Captain Brown distinctly remembered that Jenny Ann's underwear were dry. He had a feeling in his gut that something was very wrong. Patrolman Turner called the medical examiner's office to notify them of the death. It's important to note that while Jenny Ann's death occurred in Clayton County, a contract between Clayton and Fulton County existed. In fact, the Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office performed all of the autopsies for Clayton County. Fulton County, as in the county where Martha Ann's first child's death had occurred, and where the medical examiner had already expressed his concerns. When Patrolman Turner called the Fulton County Medical Examiner's Office, they were shocked, stating, Oh my God! Are you aware of the other three deaths of these kids? Patrolman Turner and Captain Brown's worst fears were confirmed with those words. Something, in fact, was very wrong. They contacted then-Sergeant Wilbert Roberts, who was in the Criminal Investigation Division, and an investigation was officially launched into the death of 11-year-old Jenny Ann. Sergeant Roberts went to the family home to speak with Martha Ann. Like a boss, he walked in and sat down at the kitchen table. Martha Ann was already seated in the chair across from him. She stuck her hand out to shake Sergeant Roberts' hand, but he left her hanging, rejecting any formalities and said, 
I'm here to put you in jail, lady. You killed those four children, and I'm going to see you fry. I freaking love this guy. But Martha Ann's reaction? While any normal person would be shitting their pants right there at the kitchen table, Martha Ann didn't skip a beat. She leaned over and responded to Sergeant Roberts with a question. She asked, well, what did the crime lab say? No denial, no emotion, no what in the hell are you talking about? I didn't kill my kids. Just an insinuation that there was no proof. And Martha Ann Johnson was right about that. An autopsy was performed and the medical examiner could find nothing. No apparent reason that Jenny Ann should have died. He even held a meeting with the chief toxicologist of the state at that time and officials from the CDC in hope of coming to some sort of a conclusion. But there was no trace of poison, no infection or disease. There were several small bruises found on Jenny Ann's body, three or four on one arm and another on her lower stomach, as well as a few small abrasions on her face. And the medical examiner theorized that maybe Martha Ann had tightened the Velcro straps on the plastic brace Jenny Ann was wearing so tightly it obstructed her ability to breathe. But that was just a theory. He had nothing concrete to go on. So Jenny Ann's manner of death was ruled undetermined, and the cause was officially reported as probable asphyxia. It was noted in the report that this was the fourth of Martha Ann's children to die and that it seemed to occur after arguments with her husband. Investigators talked to Martha Ann again, and she told them that Jenny Ann had died due to ruptured kidneys or something like that. It's her story, so I'll let her tell it. Quote, And the man who did the autopsy told me that the brace was unnecessary because the bone had punctured something, and he even called me and asked me why they put the brace on her because it was too tight on her. And then she had wet on herself. And when I went to wake her up to change her, for her to change herself, she had died. And apparently the doctor said that that's when probably her kidneys had ruptured or something like that. But the man who did the autopsy, Dr. Randy Hanslick, adamantly denied these claims. And they're not consistent with the initial autopsy report. Dr. Hanslick further stated that he wasn't even aware of Jenny Ann's fall off the monkey bars, and as he recalled, Martha Ann's children had been taken to the hospital with unfounded complaints multiple times. And again, Captain Brown had noted that Jenny Ann had not wet herself on the night she was found deceased. It's one of the first things that tipped him off that Martha Ann was hiding something. But with all these suspicious deaths and all the circumstantial evidence, Martha was not charged with anything. The Clayton County Police claimed in an article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that they asked District Attorney at the time, Robert Kelly, to take the case to a grand jury. But that didn't happen. Robert Kelly refuted those claims and said if the Clayton County Police had asked for a murder indictment, he'd have a record of the request, which he claimed didn't exist. Regardless of who failed to file charges, Martha Ann moved on with her life. Surprise, surprise, she got remarried to a fourth husband. 
The pair moved to a subdivision in the Locust Grove area, and life was going grand. It wasn't long before someone would be calling her mom again. Thankfully, this time it wasn't children of her own, but those who ran around her neighborhood. She claimed she couldn't physically have any more children, but she enjoyed watching the neighborhood kids play and interacting with them, and some of them actually called her mom. That was her life in 1989 when Jane O'Hanson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution caught up with her. It had almost been seven years since her fourth and final child, Jenny Ann, had been found deceased when the Atlanta Journal-Constitution published an article detailing the deaths of the four children, the first of several great pieces that would be published as things progressed. And progress they would. In fact, that initial article would be credited for the next one, published on January 8, 1989, with the headline reading, Police Reopen Inquiry into Four Children's Deaths. Martha Ann might have moved on with her life, but the community and the journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution had not forgotten. And neither had investigators or the medical examiners. They were all haunted by the deaths of four innocent children. The police decided to start back from the very beginning and go over every piece of evidence collected through the course of all of the previous death investigations. They talked with the pathologist, consulted experts, and re-interviewed witnesses. Roughly seven months after the first article was published, an interview with a witness would break this case wide open. The witness? Martha Ann Johnson. On July 3, 1989, Sergeant Kenneth Stewart went to talk to Martha Ann at her new home in Locust Grove. The pair sat down face-to-face -to, -face to talk for three hours. Sergeant Stewart spoke softly as he looked directly into her eyes. He held her hands and wiped tears from her eyes as they talked. At first, Martha Ann told basically the same story she had all along. She had tragically lost her four kids. It was SIDS, an unknown seizure disorder, and a tragic case of asphyxiation, also with an unknown cause. But Sergeant Stewart pressed a little harder. They were now knee-to-knee -knee still facing one another when he said, The souls of those babies are never going to rest as long as this thing is hanging up in the air. Going on to say, I want what's good for four babies that were used. Let it out. What did you do? I didn't do anything, Martha responded. It was at that point he asked her to take a polygraph, and surprisingly, she agreed. Sergeant Ron Evans was brought in to administer the test, but as he was getting everything set up, Martha Ann confessed to Ron Evans that she had murdered Jenny Ann, even going so far as to sign a written statement detailing that after fussing with Earl in an attempt to prevent him from leaving, quote, I took Jenny Ann to bed with me and lay on her so she could not breathe. When she stopped moving, I knew it was over. With that, Sergeant Stewart sat back down with Martha, and she gave a second confession, telling Stewart the same story. Martha Ann had finally told investigators what they had suspected all along. 
She had murdered Jenny Ann because she wanted Earl Bowen back. The investigator asked what she would say to Jenny Ann if she could talk to her, and Martha replied, that I'm sorry, that I love her, and I didn't mean to do it. Didn't mean to do it? Seems pretty damn premeditated to me and anyone else with half a brain cell. And let's not forget, this wasn't the first, second, or even the third child that had died while in the custody of their mother, and I use that term very loosely. So far, she had only confessed to murdering Jenny Ann, but that was about to change. She went on to talk about the 1977 death of her two-year-old son, James, telling the officer again, I just laid on him when he was sleeping with me because I thought maybe it might bring Earl back, but I didn't mean to do it. I'm so sorry. Martha Ann told investigators that she gets up in the middle of the night to look at pictures of her children. She said, I know I did wrong, and I would give anything to have them back. I didn't want to hurt them like that. I guess I just hated Earl Bowen so much for what he put me through. Her excuse was just as pathetic as she is. And with a double confession, Martha Ann Johnson was arrested on the spot right there in her home on murder charges. She was originally indicted in Clayton County, Georgia on three murder charges in the deaths of three-month-old Tibitha, three-year-old Earl Wayne, and 11-year-old Jenny Ann. The first death of two-year-old James William had occurred in Fulton County and would have to be prosecuted there. After eight long years, there was finally a glimmer of hope that she would pay for what she had done. News about Martha faded from the headlines as the prosecution and defense began to get ready to take the case to trial. That was until February of 1990, when the judge presiding over the case made a ruling to allow the future jurors to hear Martha Ann's videotape confession. Oh yeah, Sergeant Stewart had ever so covertly slipped a video camera into Martha Ann's house the night she confessed, and the entire thing had been captured on video. Of course, Martha Ann had since recanted her confession, changed her story, and claimed that the police had confused and manipulated her into confessing to not one, but two murders she now claims she didn't commit. And her defense team fought like hell to keep those tapes from ever seeing the light of day. But they had lost. Martha Ann could concoct whatever story she wanted, but the jury was still going to watch as she sobbed and admitted to smothering her children until they stopped moving because she was pissed off at Earl and wanted him home. The trial kicked off on April 30th, 1990, but Martha Ann wasn't facing three murder charges as a decision had been made to try all three of the cases separately. This was about 11-year-old Jenny Ann. The district attorney felt this was the strongest case and needed to be prosecuted first. In opening statements, the prosecutor made the argument that there was a clear pattern in the deaths of all the children. They were murdered after a separation from her husband, Earl Bowen. And there was plenty of evidence to back it up. A total of 22 witnesses were called for the state. 
Earl's friend Stanley testified that prior to the deaths of Tibitha and Earl Wayne, Martha had called looking for Earl and made those statements that if anything happened, it was Earl's fault. Shortly after those calls, the children were found dead. Stanley fought tears as he recalled calling Earl after the second phone call, the one involving Earl Wayne, and he said, I told Earl on the phone that if anything happened to Wayne, I'd see her burn in hell for it, because I knew she was doing something to the children. It went off like a firecracker in my head. Stanley had contacted social services and begged for something to be done. However, if you recall from last week, nothing had been. Martha Ann's husband Earl also testified and established the pattern the DA introduced. Every time they had a major fight and he left, one of the children was soon found deceased. The medical examiner took the stand and testified that when he performed the autopsy of Jenny Ann, he found fluid in her lungs, tiny hemorrhages in her eyes, and bloody foam around her mouth, which were all consistent with a smothering death. Social workers testified that Martha Ann seemed desperate to get Earl Bowen back and was more concerned with the state of her marriage than the deaths of her children. The prosecution played the tape, and jurors watched in horror as 250-pound Martha Ann described lying on top of her children until they stopped moving, ensuring that they were dead. Needless to say, it wasn't looking good for Martha Ann. And then the defense laid out its case. They claimed the confession was coerced and that Martha was easily led by investigators due to her low IQ. A psychiatrist for the defense testified that he had performed an IQ test and Martha had scored a 78, which is lower than average. However, according to VeryWellMind.com, an IQ score of 70 is a standard for determining a mild mental disability along with other factors such as evidence that cognitive limitations existed before the age of 18, serious limitations in learning and reasoning, and severe limitations in communication and self-help skills. Martha scored a 78, which can be considered low or borderline, but does not meet the standard of a mental disability in and of itself. And further, while the defense's own psychiatrist testified, that Martha Ann was a dependent person who suffered from a personality disorder characterized by depression, a lack of self-esteem, and difficulty in forming relationships, he went on to say in no uncertain terms that Martha Ann was, quote, not mentally ill or insane in any sense. Several of her friends and family testified that Martha was an excellent mother who would never have murdered her children. In what seemed to be a Hail Mary by the defense, Martha Ann decided to testify herself. But just before she was set to take the stand, she collapsed right there in front of everybody and their mama. A journalist with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution actually snapped a photo of Martha sprawled out on the floor just outside the courtroom with two paramedics at her side. A little flair for the dramatic there, Martha? She was assessed, and of course everything was fine, so that afternoon she took the stand. It was more of the same. She was coerced into confessing, and she had never harmed any of her children, 
her four children's deaths were all just tragic accidents. Lather, rinse, repeat. The final witness to testify was Martha Ann's current husband, Charles Johnson. He told the court, She could never do anything like they're saying. And I love her to death. I always want to be with her in the end. But District Attorney Robert Keller brought it all back home in closing arguments, stating to the jury, She gave you the truth. The only thing you can do is give it right back to her. The truth, according to Martha Ann Johnson's statement, then is guilty. And give it back to her, they did. In a decision that took less than three hours, Martha Ann Johnson was convicted of the murder of 11-year-old Jenny Ann. She was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. Four innocent children were used as pawns in a game of chess where Martha Ann and she alone knew the rules. Their lives were ripped away from them. And for what? To keep a man? I'll say it again. Pathetic. James William was only two years old when his life was taken, allegedly at the hands of his mother. He never got to experience his first day of kindergarten, playing Little League, or driving his first car. Baby Tibitha was just three months old when the state alleges she was smothered by her 250-pound mother. She never even took her first steps, never said her first word, or got the chance to run around the playground with her friends. Earl Wayne was a toddler at three when his life was taken. He never had the opportunity to learn how to ride a bike, shoot hoops with his brother, or skip school to hang out with the boys. And Jenny Ann. Jenny Ann witnessed the deaths of two of her siblings when she was old enough to understand. She was terrified of her mother and tried to get away. She sensed it coming. The fear she must have felt every time her mother came into the room. Was this the night her mom would murder her? Was this the argument that was going to lead to her death? And on February 21st, 1982, it was. Jenny Ann's nightmare, the one she told her father about, came true. Her mother, the one person that was supposed to protect her, took her in her bed and suffocated her with her body as Jenny Ann slept. But this time, it wasn't quite so easy. Jenny Ann woke up and struggled, but she was no match. She was outweighed and overpowered and strapped into a hard plastic brace. 11-year-old Jenny Ann was murdered before she got the chance to dance the night away at prom, argue with her little sister over clothes, and someday have a family of her very own. This should be where the story ends. We should take a moment to reflect on the innocent lives that were stolen at the hands of their own mother. And I should be able to tell you that Martha Ann Johnson is rotting away in a Georgia prison and that justice was served. But that's not how this story ends. In January of 2020, according to 11 Alive, news broke that Martha Ann Johnson's chance at parole was tentatively granted. A state parole board spokesperson confirmed that Johnson had received a tentative grant of release. 
The Clayton County District Attorney's Office also provided the outlet with a letter from the State Parole Board, which said the board has decided to proceed with this inmate's parole. After serving close to 30 years, Martha Ann Johnson would soon be walking the streets of Georgia, a free woman. Jenny Ann's half-brother spoke out to Eleven Alive, saying he thought life in prison meant she would never set foot outside or breathe God's good air again. He stated to the outlet, I want them to carry her body in a bag out of that prison, throw her in the woods, and catch her on fire. I wouldn't even waste the dirt. The district attorney of Clayton County and the extended family of the children all opposed the decision by the parole board. A petition was circulated online, gaining thousands of signatures. But in the end, the parole board's decision stood. According to the Georgia State Board of Pardons and Paroles, Martha Ann Johnson was paroled on March 23, 2020. She was 64 years old at the time of her release. She's likely living somewhere in Fulton or Clayton County, which for those unfamiliar is Atlanta and the surrounding area. It's unclear if her fourth husband, who vowed to love her forever on the witness stand, has waited 30 years to be reunited with a murderer, but I'd guess the odds aren't in Martha Ann's favor. A woman convicted of murdering her daughter and suspected in the deaths of three children is just out there walking the streets. And while I can't pinpoint exactly where Martha Ann is living now, I was able to get a recent photo, which I'll post on my socials. You may be wondering about the other three murders she was indicted on in Clayton County, and I was too. So I reached out to the district attorney's office, but at the time of this recording, I didn't receive a response. I'll update you if and when that happens. I'd like to once again recognize the work of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Without their excellent reporting, not only would I not be able to tell you the story, there likely wouldn't have ever been a case to begin with. This case is an excellent example of the power of honest reporting and members of the media who recognize their power and use it for good. As always, you can find more information on this case or any of the others I've covered on my Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these. New episodes drop every Thursday. I'll be bringing you an all new case next week and I can't wait. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And hey, Georgia, be on the lookout. This convicted child murderer could be coming to a neighborhood near you. Until next time, be good to each other.
8 ud af 10 personer har haft hovedpine i løbet af det sidste år. I Ibren lindrer lette til moderate smerter, også hovedpine i op til 8 timer med to tabletter. Ibren er et lægemiddel, der indeholder ibuprofen. Væsentlige bivirkninger af maveblødninger, mavesår, hudledelser og allergiske reaktioner. Læs mere om Ibren på indlægssedlen eller emballagen og kontakt din læge eller apoteket, hvis du er i tvivl om noget.